Welcome to the Never Stop Getting Better podcast powered by Guardian Caps. Guardian Caps are a one-size-fits-all helmet cover that help reduce impact for your players during practice. Coach Perry is a huge proponent of Guardian Caps after using them at Pearl High School, and it was one of the first football items he purchased when taking the job at Nixon. Caps are mandated by the NFL for O-line, D-line, linebackers, tight ends, and running backs, and utilized by over 270 colleges, over 3,000 high schools, and over 600 youth programs across the country. As helmets become more and more expensive, the Guardian Caps also do a great job of protecting your helmet investment. See the link in our show notes for more information on Guardian Caps. In each episode, John takes you on a journey of growth, learning, and endless improvement. Whether you're an athlete, coach, or someone simply just striving to get better, this podcast is for you. Now, here's your host, John Perry. All right, welcome to the show this week, where I have a guest that is going to knock your socks off. He's a guy that I consider a friend of mine. His name is Oscar Miskelly. He, along with his brothers, Chip and Tommy, founded Miskelly Furniture in 1978. Miskelly's has grown over the past 45 years and is listed by Furniture Today as one of the top 100 stores in America. Miskelly's has recently been named the National Retailer of the Year. Um, Oscar has also served as the CEO of Miskelly Furniture Company since 2011. He serves on a ton of boards, the board of trustees at Jackson Preparatory School at Madison Ridgeland Academy, has also served on the boards of First uh, Commercial Bank, Jackson Metro YMCA, Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame, and the Mo Williams Foundation. He's the past president of the Furniture Marketing Group and the current president of the Strivers Group. Oscar is currently serving as the state of Mississippi board of uh, on the state of Mississippi board of the fellowship of Christian athletes and the board of trustees at Mississippi college and is an active elder at Pine Lake church. Oscar, man, I sure appreciate you allowing me to speak with you this evening. How are you? I'm doing great, John. I'm super blessed to be on the bod, uh, podcast with you today. I, uh, I've loved your podcast and really jumped in and gone back, listen to several different uh, sessions you've had. And it's been very encouraging man podcast you got me going on a lot of those a few years ago when you were here at pearl high school and a lot of the books that you recommended and you've been a great mentor and uh, encourager to me through the years too john well i appreciate you and i appreciate um you know getting to know you through the years i'd seen that furniture store sitting there on the corner of highway 80 and um whatever that is and you know, I didn't really know you until I moved back and took the head job there and got to know you. And, you know, some of the things I've learned through, you know, all the reading and through the podcasting and, you know, success leaves clues. So I believe, you know, one of my foundational beliefs is that if you can take a furniture company and make it what you all have made that, you could probably take a clothing store. You could probably take a basketball team. You could probably take a lot of things and do extremely well at it because the things that it takes to be great are very similar in, you know, depending as that doesn't matter what field you're in. This is my first question. I want to know, you know, they say, you know, sometimes our kids catch more from us than we actually teach them more is caught than taught growing up. You know, let's go back when you were young, what did you catch? From your parents what were the skills what were the you know what were the things you learned you know through being raised the way you were raised by by your parents right john i grew up in a small town in north mississippi oklahoma mississippi an old indian word yep. near tupelo birthplace of elvis we always like to say <laughs> and we grew up in the retail clothing business our dad had a clothing store there for 40 years and it's a um it was a large manufacturing of furniture in that area. Mississippi's one of the largest producer of, of furniture anywhere in the country. So we grew up around that, but grew up in the clothing business. And our dad taught us how to not deal with people, but how to interact with people. Sure. How to uh, really make friends and influence people. If you go back to one of Zig Ziglar's books, yep. uh, Dale Carnegie concept, he was just a people person. He taught us how to get along, how to treat everyone equally. Someone would come in the store in a pair of overalls, he said, never judge anybody by their looks. And uh, he was so right. That person might have about 
$300 on them. They want to spend on a nice suit and a pair of shoes. So never prejudge anyone. We certainly learned that early on. And uh, I, I remember our story. Someone came in. They were really acting kind of ugly and mean. And Dad was really nice to them and ended up selling them something. And I said, Dad, I, I didn't really like that person. He said, yeah, I didn't need this, but I – he said, the only thing I found out I could get their money was the only way to get them back. So <laughs> he made the sale. <laughs> That's awesome. But he, he taught us how to, you know, if you treat people right, you'll get what you want in life and do the right thing. That's one of our five really core values we have in our company right now is do the right thing, be a humble servant and uh, eliminate complexity. And those kind of principles are the things that he taught us. Keep it simple, stupid. No doubt. You know, that he, as you talk about some of those core principles, you know, several of them stand out to me. One of which is, you know, I interviewed a guy that's had close to 1,400 uh, basketball wins and 26 state championships. And I asked him, you know, getting ready to go into the playoffs, what kind of advice would you give me? And he said, simplify 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 you said avoid complexity because the mm. more complex something is the more mistakes we make and i thought man what great advice you know and so i think those core values are awesome how let me ask you this before you know like having a set of values you know for the business like how long have y'all had those values like how long has that been something that has kind of been a part of the business yeah john about 25 years ago, we worked with a group and developed some core principles, kind of saw some things, you know, that we liked. Uh, somebody said one time, if it's new, it's probably not true. There's no new thing under the sun. So we kind of copied some of them like integrity, honesty, teamwork, uh, you know, uh, cost efficient. But then about two years ago, we began to work with the table group, which is a Pat Lencioni uh, company. I'm sure you're familiar with him. Some of the great books he's written yep. from the ideal team player to five dysfunctions of a team. But one of his books is really business centric called the advantage. And we took a lot of those principles, hired one of his consultants that came in about two years ago and helped us really develop a business blueprint that we go by every day about, you know, how will we succeed? Uh, what's, what's most important, What's our vision statement? Sure. What is our mission statement? Uh, those things that really guide you, all your decisions need to be filtered through those sure. core principles. So that's really helped us really define uh, who we are and where we want to go. Wow. And that's, you know, everything you just said for us, like in our program, you know, going back probably 10 years ago at Pearl, you know, was was a huge addition to our program was knowing what we stood for, knowing why we stood for it, knowing what our core values were that we filtered our decisions through was 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 a big part of that. Let me ask you this, like, you know, you, you growing up, your dad was in the clothing retail business. Tell me how did Miskelly's furniture come about? Like, what's the story behind the founding of that? Yeah, so in the summer of 1978, my brother Chip was living in Boston, Massachusetts, and I was working for McRae's um, department store in their training program. You remember McRae's? Yep, I great do. I love Family-owned business. Yeah, and, they had uh, a great uh, big and tall section. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you like that, huh? <laughs> like Capital Menswear, huh? Yeah. So we'd always want to go to some type of business together. And um, I'd gone to law school for two years. I wanted to be a sports agent. And if I'd stuck with it, I might have. I might have been the next Jimmy Sexton. I don't know. Yeah, but no doubt. But the Lord had different plans. I, I really uh, enjoyed law school. Went there for two years, but just wanted to be more involved with people than having my head in a book and and studying all the time. So uh, we'd always wanted to do and get in some type of retail business. As I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of furniture manufacturing in Mississippi. Yep. Our dad said, "Hey, you can sell a recliner just as easy as you can a pair of socks and make a lot more money." So. In 1978, we decided to go in the furniture business. It was the summer. We'd been up in Boston that summer, just hanging out. Our brother lived up there. So he quit his job. I quit mine. We said, we're all in. We're going to burn the ship. We're going to burn the boat. Wow. Uh, so uh, we came down and 
my brother was dating a girl in Brandon. So it's always a girl involved in it, you know, John. So, <laughs> Uh, he, he spent a lot of time in Rankin County. And uh, so he, we wanted to come to a more larger metropolitan area than a small town where we were from. Sure. And so I'd been going to law school at Mississippi College in Clinton. And so he found a little store out uh, on Highway 80. Uh, got him Russell Purvis, Vic Purvis, who you'll know, big Southern Mississippi announcer. It was his brother. He had a small store about 4,000 feet. So we got up enough money to rent that building from him and started in October 6th of 1978. We asked our dad if he would lend us some money or give us some money. He said, no, so I'm going to give you a lot of advice, but I'm not going to give you any money. And we were like, dad, could you give us some money and just a little advice? <laughs> he was <laughs> like, no, just going to give you some advice. So we got a small business loan for about, $30,000 to start with. And, uh, you know, John, you may recall there was a big flood in 1978, the spring of 79. Uh, we started in 78 in the fall. The flood was in the spring of 79. It was one of the historic floods in the South. And so a lot of bad things happened to a lot of good people, particularly Northeast Jackson. Uh, but that probably got us going. I don't know if we'd have made it, it hadn't been for the flood because we wow. were struggling. And uh, so we sold a lot of furniture, helped a lot of people move out during that time and yep. their homes get out of the way. But we, we sold a lot of furniture, particularly mattresses during that time. That gave us a little bit of a foundation for our business. And uh, and so kind of like those country music stars, you know, 45 years later, you're an overnight success. Yep. Let me ask you this. Where was that first store located? It was uh, it was by uh, where the fire station is on Highway 80 now it was a Pool and patio there is a Roby's automatic transmission yep. there now, an old small metal building. So uh, we started there just chipping out. We would sell it by day and deliver it by night. And uh, well, let me ask you this when you first started out, did you sell more than just furniture? Well, we sold it. We had a little luggage, we had some other small things that, that we uh, carried, but we, we saw that. The bigger items, the bigger furniture items that uh, were about the same handling cost and we could make more money on it. We, we worked on a very low margin. If it cost us $100, we'd probably sell it for $125, which yeah. was historically low for furniture uh, back in that time. Um, so, But we really quickly moved to just selling furniture and mattresses. All right. Well, let me ask you this. You know, it's a, it's a, it is a family business. You know, how has the dynamic of working, you know, with family members contributed to the growth and success of the company? And, you know, some people say you should never go into business with your family. Like, you know, how has that dynamic been through the years? Oh, it's been challenging for sure. They say family businesses are great until they're not. That's but, right. Uh, yeah. But ours has been good. We, we grew up in a, a very faith based background. And uh, we really run our business on Christian principles about treating someone like you want to be treated yourself. And uh, since we went into business, really about four years ago, my brother Chip sold his part. He's moved to Dallas, Texas. All his kids live out there. And then about a year ago, my brother Tommy uh, decided to retire, buy a house down in Florida. So it left me there. But I have three kids that work with us now. Right. That work in the business that are I'm glad that will be next generation. And um, so it presented its own challenges. But you could argue during the day about things. But then you go out to dinner at night. Next day, you forget about what you argued about. So it was good that we trusted each other. That was the main thing. That's that's the downfall of a lot of businesses is that there's no trust there. And um, it begins to break down pretty quickly after that. Right. Well, you know, like early on growing that company, you know, like because, you know, you didn't you didn't really have any experience in the furniture business. You know, like what type of challenges early on did y'all encounter, you know, in the early stages of, of trying to grow it? Yeah. The initial challenge was trying to get furniture companies to sell us. Wow. Reminded a little bit of, uh, you know, I read Sam Walter's book. And he talked about some of the challenges that he had when he started Walmart. Companies wouldn't sell them because 
they were kind of the uh, low cost people and other people in the industry wouldn't let the manufacturer sell them because they didn't want to sell them off cost. So that was one of the biggest challenges is trying to get companies to sell us. I remember a rep coming in the store one time he was with Serta Mattress and we'd been calling him about trying to buy their line. And he came in and walked through the store one day and uh, uh, we saw him scratching off in the parking lot. He just didn't, he didn't see enough to, uh, to sell us. So uh, we still kid him about it. He came back later with another line when we really got our business growing. And he said, Hey, I'm sorry about not selling you guys before. I didn't think y'all were going to make it. And I said, <laughs> I don't blame you. I wasn't sure we were going to make it either. Right. But uh, that was a big challenge. And then just how to grow your company and how, how to do it in a wise way without incurring too much debt. Uh, so we were in that small building about 5,000 feet for about uh, two years. And then in 1980, we moved down to uh, our current uh, clearance store location. We were there for about 15 years down by the cemetery, as you'll recall. Yep. Uh, John, we had a, a place that we, some land we found down at the intersection of Highway 80 and Airport Road. Yep. And um, we were there, as I said, 15 years and really grew our business. We initially had 12 parking spots out front. And we said, man, we'll never use all of these. We'll never have this many customers. <laughs> we had a real vision. We, we, we didn't have that big a vision, unfortunately. And uh, by the time we moved to a, to another location, uh, we were parking people across the street. We were using the Jackson trolley to shuttle people back and forth uh, across the street from a parking lot. Uh, we had people coming really from all parts of Mississippi and Louisiana in Alabama to shop with us. So uh, the vision grew a little bit as our business did. Let me ask you this, because I mean, it's one of the larger furniture stores in America. It's absolutely amazing when you walk into it, you know, it's, it's, it's so big and it's so pleasant on the eyes. There's so much going on in there, you know, early on that location you were in was not like that location is right now. You know, like the number of cars, that drive by Miss Kelly's today is probably a thousand times more than the number of cars that drove by that place when you when you bought it down by the cemetery. How was the location? You know, was did that provide a challenge in and of itself? And was there a point in time you can pick out where it really turned into a pretty good location? Yeah, it definitely uh, took a long time to to grow, as you know. Our location was kind of sandwiched between Brandon and Pearl, kind of no man's land between yep. both uh, cities. And so there was an interstate uh, exit there at Airport Road. So people would, normally would just go there, get on the interstate, or they would do the same thing in Brandon. So we were kind of in an area that's a little bit of no man's land. So we didn't have a lot of drive-by traffic. You know, people always count. You know, you know, what's your car count every day uh, to judge a retail location now? Well, we could probably count them, uh, you know, on one hand by the hour where we started because sure. we were kind of in the middle of a cemetery. So you can say it's kind of dead there for a while, but uh, <laughs> there was no doubt. A, a, lot, not a lot of people come to see us unless there was a big funeral. And uh, so it was definitely something we had to advertise uh, a lot. And uh, that was probably the biggest thing. My brother had a, had a lot bigger vision than I did. Uh, he he uh, thought we should get with an ad agency early on, and we did. And we developed an ad campaign where we would uh, stand side by side on TV, and we would say, you know, come to Muscully Furniture. At the end, our tagline was, where we're looking out for you. And I put my hand on his shoulder and say, like a brother. It was just something that the ad agency that right. we couldn't really afford came up with. And it's amazing, though, how many people come in the store. You're going to treat me like a brother? And uh, even to this day, people say that. And we'll kind of go retro sometimes and, and bring that out, or we used to when the brothers were still there. Uh, I may do that with the kids now. Uh, and uh, But doing that and then getting on TV, it's something about the magic of TV that just made people, you know, believe you were bigger than you are. Uh, even physically, people would come in the store and say, you that fellow on TV said, you're just a little squirt. You don't look yep. anything like TV. Yep. <laughs> I say, well, thank you. Uh, 
But uh, it, it was the magic of TV back in uh, the late 70s, early 80s. And, you know, things have changed so much now with the uh, cable cutting and all the digital revolution yep. we've had. But for so many years, TV was king, broadcast TV, get on the 10 o'clock news, 6 o'clock news, right. morning news. It was critical. So we spent a lot of money on TV advertising and it really paid off. Yeah, I would say I would say so. Um, one of the things that y'all are known for is, you know, a commitment to customer service. You know, how do you ensure that, you know, they have a positive experience? How do you how do you ensure that they have a memorable experience when they enter those doors? Yeah, there's a lot of education that takes place, no doubt. Uh, some people call it, you know, sales training. We say you train a pet, you educate a human. We, we do believe in sales education from the time that the greeting takes place at the front door all the way to, through to our customer service team that uh, really call them a customer care team that really takes care of our customers. If there's any problems, we like to do whatever we can to go to the ends of the earth to take care of a customer. They say one bad customer talking bad about you is – it takes 20 good customers talking good about you to overcome that. So we do everything in the world to take care of our customers. Even when some of the requests are unreasonable, uh, there's still things that we want to take care of so that our dad always told us, just take care of the customer. They'll take care of you. And that's proven to be the case. We believe in that. And, you know, I'm down the sales floor most days. I see our customers on, on a daily basis and we're out there if they have a problem or one of the kids are out there that, they can talk to us about it. Uh, yeah. My number is listed in our director. They can call me. Uh, they can email me. So we're going to be available and accessible to the customers for sure. Let me ask you this. How many how many employees do you have? And how do you, you know, is there a method to the madness of motivating the employees? Yeah. Right now, we've been about 330, John, back and when we peaked out during the pandemic for home furnishings was at a peak. Um, people were not traveling. They were not, you know, they were staying home all the time. They were not spending money anywhere except a lot of home furnishings. So we grew by about 40% a year over year during the pandemic. So our wow. customer, our, our employees, sales member, sales team members, uh, and, Overall, team members grew to about 330. We're down to a little bit below 300 now as we've kind of right-sized as our business has come back a little bit to a normal level. But uh, the message really to our team members every day is that it goes along with our mission statement. Our family serving your family with excellence. That's twofold. It's our Muskelly family serving uh, Rascali Furniture family serving our customers excellence. And as an equally important is our Muskelly family, the owners serving our team members with excellence, whatever we need to do to take care of them. Because if we take care of them, they're going to take care of our customers. So that's our first, uh, first line of defense. Some people say you take care of your customers, they're first, but really we feel like our team members are first. If we take care of them, all else sure. is going to be taken care of. Well, I'm gonna tell you something I have I'm starting to starting to hear in the background is when the flood of 78 or 79 came, it was a benefit to the furniture company. And then we get this pandemic and it was a benefit as well. How do you explain that? Yeah, I'd say that not all things are good, but they can be used for the good for sure, John. <laughs> That's the uh, it, it really has been a, a crazy thing. You know, sometimes bad things happen. Sure. Uh, they can turn out good for you. It may not be good for a lot of people at that time, and the pandemic certainly wasn't. But sure. it did affect a lot of industries. Those who were ready for it to take advantage of those opportunities there uh, benefited from it. But we had a lot of people in our industry who weren't. We have, as you know, a large distribution center. It's about 250,000 square feet. 30 foot high rack. So our, our racks are full. We, we keep a lot of furniture in stock. Our mission is to have uh, over 90% in stock ready for same day or next day delivery. So when the pandemic hit, a lot of people couldn't get furniture. Right. It took the manufacturers. They were overcome. 
with orders. So the fact that we were already stocked up and had great relationship with our vendors to be able to get things quickly was a was a difference maker. The smaller companies, the, some of the mom and pops have since gone out of business because they just couldn't service the customer during that time. So while crazy things can happen, the main thing is you got to be prepared uh, when they do happen. Sure. You know, and I don't know why this just hit me, but it did. And it's out of, out of place. It's not the right context. But you was talking about your brother was dating um, a gal from Brandon. And I think probably you outdid your brother, you know, because you married a girl from Pearl. So I know um, you having married Joyce a long time ago, you know, was probably the best decision you ever made. So I just want to throw that out there that although well, he dated that girl from Brandon. You come out on the best end. <laughs> Eat dirt, Brandon, right? You're exactly right. That was the best, best day ever. Uh, matter of fact, it's really funny. My brother, he was kind of a woman's man. I didn't date a lot. And uh, so uh, he, uh, he told me about this girl who was cutting hair down in Pearl at California Concept. Yep. Uh, actually, at Paul's of Pearl yes. at the time before she moved up to California Concept. And so she was cutting his hair. And um, and he had actually gone out with her. I didn't know it. So I needed a haircut. So I went down there and close by and got my haircut. And and I really liked it. She's very nice looking, very nice. And a uh, couple of years younger, you know, so... I had a rare moment of inspiration uh, when she finished cutting my hair. She said, uh, oh, well, call me if you have any problems, you know, like I would call her if I couldn't sure. get my hair done right. And I had a rare moment of inspiration. I said, well, can I call you even if I don't have any problems? And uh, she said, sure. So oh. I called her and uh, a year later we were married and the uh, best, best thing that ever happened to me. Joyce, former Pearl cheerleader, former yep. Hines, uh, cheerleader she uh is a great mom and wife and just a uh great uh ambassador for pearl mississippi well i'm gonna tell you what one thing that i've said several times on this show is next to a next to accepting christ as your lord and savior who you choose as your mate for the rest of your life is the second most important decision that we will all make and if you make it right you're going to have a chance to have a successful life and a great life. And if you make the wrong decision, it can be really tough. And I know you made the right decision and that going to that barbershop that day paid off pretty good for you. Absolutely. It was only about 10 buck haircut too. So now I get haircuts <laughs> free for life, John. I mean, think of the money I'm saving, man. I got a haircut about a week ago now. She's hard to schedule sometimes. She doesn't work uh, outside the home anymore cutting hair, but right. uh, uh, I'd still get my haircuts at home. When sure. I when I can get her to slow down. Well, you can throw that money back into the business, so it works. That's out. That's right. Well, let me ask you this: This was something that I didn't like. You know, like I I I had knew you, and we had you know become acquaintances because of the business there and this and that. But then I brought Damon West into town to speak at a banquet, and you reached out about um, the possibility of him going into the prison and, and ministering to them. And throughout that process, I found out that you had been going into that, that prison system and ministering to those people. And, you know, like it really shocked me, you know, like I didn't know you like that. And from the outside, you know, you just, you, you see the Miss Kelly's furniture, you see how big it is. You see the commercials, you see the, you know, so you have this, you kind of have this story in your head about you know what is Oscar Muskelly about or what is the Muskellys or this or that and that day really you know that opened my eyes and I've probably told that story a thousand times to people because that's not normal you know normal people aren't going into the prison and ministering so my first question is this when did you realize that God had a bigger call a bigger calling in your life Throwing caps are lightweight, one-size-fits-all football helmet covers for practice. They reduce 20 to 33% of the impact, depending on the speed and the location. Great for the repetitive, sub-concussive blows that add up throughout the week. Also great for body blows. Used by Clemson, Penn State, Washington, Oklahoma, 150 other colleges, and about 2,000 high schools across the country. Also protect that helmet. If your helmets are getting beat up at the end of the year, Guardian caps can help protect that helmet investment. Yeah, so 
that was a big step, a big faith step. They have a, as you know, a, a very large, one of the largest prison systems uh, anywhere is in Mississippi, and one of the largest prisons in the um, correctional facility in the state is the right out here in uh, Pearl, Mississippi, and it's called uh, Central Mississippi Correctional Facility. And we had our church went out there at Pine Lake uh, Church where I attend. Had gone out one Christmas out there to take a lot of boxes that had toothpaste and socks and a lot of normal things you take out there, and got to meet some people. Went out there on that, and then. Uh, we had some friends from the church who were doing a jail ministry in Madison and Rankin County. And then they had an opportunity to go into the prison system there on a weekly basis. And uh, and through that association, about uh, it's been about four years ago now that uh, we began to go out there every Monday. And initially we would meet with uh, about 12 people. We, we went through a, a different uh, maximize manhood. We went some different programs that we would teach those 12 men who the, those in the, uh, one of the chaplains there in the uh, correctional facility had recommended these people as being in a place where they were ready to take the next step. Uh, mm -hmm. Some of were lifers. They weren't going to get out, but they were people who had proven themselves faithful. And so we did some mentoring out there with them and uh, that evolved into some one-on-one -on -one mentoring uh, on Monday afternoons and as is usually the case, John, I got a lot more out of it than I gave to them. But it was a blessing to go out there and see them. People just like you and me who made maybe one mistake in life, sure. maybe they made more than one. Uh, there go I for the grace of God that I could have been in there for stupid things I did before. And But they made mistakes and they're paying for it. But many in there are trying to do the right thing now for their family, trying to turn their life around. So we were able to go in and, and really get to know many of them. I still uh, correspond with uh, the ones I got closer to in there. Unfortunately, the pandemic shut us out from going in. And then they got a new commissioner about a year ago, Burl Eyes, uh, I think's his name, who used to be in Angola, who really shut out people from being to come in there like that anymore. So I've not been able to go in for the last year or so. Yeah. And but it would still correspond with those inmates that we uh, form relationships with, and it it really is amazing to go in there and just see those faces of those men um, who who don't have a hope of getting out, but they need to have hope. You can't live without hope, and that's what we try to give them was hope in the Lord that you know while they may be in prison the rest of their days, there's an eternity out there that they don't want to spend in a place like that. Sure. You know, and I, I often think, you know, having a faith in something, you know, having a faith in God, you know, can help anybody overcome anything. And without that, you know, can I can't imagine how challenging life is, you know? So, you know, I just wanted to, man, I, I have, you know, that, that day, my respect for you grew because, you know, we're sitting there, in a city of, you know, 25,000 or whatever, you know, Pearl is. And, you know, I didn't know another single person that took their own time to go serve people that are behind bars. And that's, you know, that's not common. That's uncommon. And, you know, I thought that was uh, really awesome. And when I thought it was even more awesome was, if you remember, and this may not have stood out to you like it stood out to me, because that was really my first time to go in there. But the day Damon went and you know, it was awesome. I enjoyed the whole day when we went back behind the maximum security, you know, and that, and that gate, you know, yeah. locked, and we're in there and Damon was, Damon was at home, right? Because Damon had spent so many years in prison and right. I was not at home. Like I was a little bit, mm, you know, like, and then I got in there and I don't know if you know this, but then I got in there and I got nervous because it, you know, it's kind of intimidating. And I had to go to the bathroom. Like I got, I got nervous. <laughs> I got to go to the bathroom. So I walk over there to, uh, I don't know if it was you or one of the guards. And I'm like, cause I, I was so kind of out of my element and I was so nervous. Like I really had to go. So I go over there and be like, Hey, I gotta go. Well, the, the guy walks over there to one of the toughest looking dudes in the whole thing. And he says, Hey, can this, can this guy use your bathroom? 
And I'm like, I was kind of thinking about something a little more private, you know? So then I have to use this guy's bathroom that is sitting there facing, you know, Damon West as he talks and all of those guys. And it was, I'm telling you, man, like it was a day that I will not forget, but you know, I do remember that day and it made an impact on my life because the fact that you were the reason why we were there, you reached out, you know, and got the thing set up with Damon and, you know, it, it was something that I remember and I respect that um, for you. Have you had, and for those listening, I, Damon West was, I think interview number one on this podcast, man, he's a guy that spent some time in prison for running a burglary ring was a bad guy, got hooked on uh, crystal meth and, you know, was able to reform his life, was able to change his life and get out and, you know, is right now going all over the United States sharing his message that I find absolutely amazing. And I'm just curious, have you kept a relationship with Damon? Have you been able to bring him back or see him since then? Absolutely. That time when you brought him in was my first experience with him and get to meet him. And he, he's so outgoing and gregarious just – Meet him the first time you knew he was special. He just has a certain uh, charisma about him that uh, really radiates. So we have definitely stayed in touch. Matter of fact, we brought him back in to speak with, to our company, uh, spoke to different uh, folks in our organization, and then brought him back again, John. Uh, the Mississippi Law Enforcement Group has a big event every year out at the Muse Center there in Pearl. And so we're able to co-venture uh, with them and, and to bring Damon back to speak to about 500 law enforcement uh, personnel there. So it was really awesome to hear him share his story with them. And it's an intriguing story. If you've not heard it, you definitely need to check it out. But we shared the coffee bean with all of our uh, team members and uh, we got our coffee bean bracelets and T-shirts. And um, he's just an amazing guy who took what the devil intended for evil and turned it to good and is using it for good. And uh, he, he's really an amazing guy. I definitely stay in touch. He's building a big house out there in Texas now. Yeah. So uh, we talked about helping him with some furniture out there with that when he, <laughs> when he gets it finished. So uh, he lost his dad, I guess about six, eight months ago. And I know that's a tough time for him because his dad obviously was a sports writer out there in yep. I believe Galveston area and, and uh, saw Damon go from, uh, you know, a, a great sports hero playing quarterback at North Texas to getting in prison to getting out and speaking to Alabama football and Georgia football and Clemson football. So yep. I know he was so thankful that he, his dad saw that turn around his life. Yeah, you know, and I, I have stayed in touch with him as well. We brought him in to Nixon and he spoke to – um, I don't know if we have maybe 10 schools all together in this district, counting the elementaries or, and, or maybe more than that. He spoke to every single one of them in a matter of 24 hours. Like we wore him out, but you know, this is, this is the, the thing I know, you know, and, and if, you know, there's somebody listening that, you know, hasn't brought Damon West into their school, their company, their business, you know, like if you can listen to that story, like, you know that there's hope, you know, like, because he was, he was down and out. I mean, it was as bad as bad can be, you know, like yeah. the mistakes he made were rough, but you know, like if he can survive that and do what he's doing, you know, like there's hope for anybody. And that's, you know, I don't know. That's one of the greatest things I think about when we bring him in to speak or something is he provides hope, man. And hope without hope, life can be really hard, you know? And if you're a person that's struggling, and you see a glimmer of hope through somebody else, you know, then it's worth whatever that cost is um, to bring him in. Because from that, you know, I've had kids reach out to me and say, you know, like, I need to talk to you because of the message Damon West shared and some of the things that they were currently doing that they saw that in themselves and they wanted to stop, you know? So like, I know he's made a difference and, you know, I just I knew we had that in common and I knew you had um, stayed in touch with him, you know, throughout the last several years. Yeah, I, I definitely am blessed to call him a friend. Thanks to that initial meeting uh, when you brought him in to to speak to your team. So I'm thankful for that. Just be open. I just encourage people to be open. You never know when there's going to be a God wink in your life and somebody's going to come into your life who's going to make a difference. And 
And Damon has certainly been one of those people through that uh, association with you, John. So I'm very thankful for that. And we text every now and then encouragement and back and forth. How you doing? And where are you going now? And he stays on the move pretty good. I don't know. He, he gets uh, a lot of energy out there and, and, and doing what he does, but he, he gives, a, as you said, hope to a lot of people. Very busy guy. One of my favorite little sayings is it only takes one key to open the castle. You know, like it only takes one person to change somebody's life. It only takes, one decision, one day, one moment, one word, and you never know when that is, you know, like you never know, you know, when that's going to happen. So you got to be willing to step out, meet people. You never know when that one haircut's going to lead to hey. know, a decision for the rest <laughs> of your life, right? You never know. That's that's right, John. You're exactly right. Hey, what are you doing now? Like, what what books are you reading? What podcasts are you listening to right now that I need hey. to know about? I'm going to tell you, this is, this is my podcasting world religiously. The the leaders of uh, Craig Rochelle's Life Church. I listen to yep. that every Monday. It's fantastic. Ed Milet. I'm a big fan. And, and basically, I'm a big fan because he interviews stars and he doesn't hide his faith. And I just find that in the world that we live in today, I find that very refreshing. Um, the Ryan Hawk, the leadership, uh, the learning leader with Ryan Hawk. That is, those three are my favorite. And then I have actually bounced into, and I think, I think you would absolutely love this one. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna look it up for a second. I just interviewed a guy from Memphis. Uh, oh, the way the way I heard it with micro. Yeah, well, the way you, I interviewed a guy that was on that one. I do enjoy. I am a fan yep. of his podcast, and I've got this guest from his podcast. Um, but the podcast is an army of normal folks. Yes. I, I listened to uh, that podcast you had, and I've got that on my playlist. Uh, well, he's had some amazing people on there, uh, Shane Young and uh, all, all the different folks. John Currents is uh, what one of the one of the folks he's yeah. had on there, and that's a great podcast for sure. Well, I've got I've got to uh, meet him, and you know, I bought his I bought his book, Bill Courtney Against the Green, and I watched the you know, the, the movie that he, that he did, that he actually got an Oscar for. Um, yeah. Just a fantastic guy and a fantastic story. And his podcast is so good because it's about normal people, you know, like yourself that will go into and, and serve people in a prison or will serve meals to the homeless or will cut grass for free or in and, and he claims that's how we're going to change this, this world. That's how we're going to change the United States of America is it's going to take normal people doing things, you know, which I have fallen, fallen into that one. Um, book wise. Uh, and I, now because of this podcast, I end up reading a lot of books of the people that I'm going to interview. Okay. So, you know, like I run into a bunch of books like that. I have recently jumped into the mental performance world because I want to be better with our student athletes, you know, uh, mental fitness. So I read a lot of stuff that revolves around that, you know, um, what about yourself? What, what, what is your podcast of choice? Um, what is your, you know, what, what's one of the better books you've read lately? Yeah. So books, uh, John Gordon's latest book, the one truth has been good. Ooh. I really like that about elevating yep. your mind and uh, healing your soul is really, I think one of the, deepest and best works that he's done yep. for sure. Uh, I really like Mark Batterson. He's written some great things. I started one of his first books was uh, in a pit on a snowy day with a yep. line or in a pit with a line yep. on a snowy day. Amazing guy. wrote uh, so many. The, the latest one he's read is please. Sorry. Thanks. You know how to use those words uh, uh, today. And, uh, but and I, I usually get in the middle of about three or four books at one time, but, Sure. Uh, right now I'm reading a book by Henry Cloud. Henry is from, uh, you know, is a, one of the leading psychiatrists in the country. He's from Vicksburg, Mississippi. Really? Played golf at Ole Miss. Yep. He's wrote, you know, he wrote the book Necessary Endings. Yep. And he wrote a book uh, called Trust. Uh, I think he's wrote one called Integrity before that. But the one called Trust right now is uh, one I'm reading that I really need a lot of different reasons. And it's been sure. really really helpful to learn about uh, how, who can you trust? How do you learn to trust people? Yep. What do you do with people that you can't trust? Uh, mm. What's the process involved in that? So sure. I would highly recommend that. And then uh, one of my uh, 
furniture mentors, the guy that owns Ashley Furniture, the big manufacturer that owns all the uh, Ashley manufacturing in the world. It's a $6 billion company. Todd Wannick's a friend. He recommended a, a recent book called The Fourth Turning. Uh, and it's been really intriguing about uh, really what the cycles of history tell us about, you know, what's the what's America's next rendezvous with destiny about. There's usually four cycles, you know, like every 25 years. Yep. So it's a pretty intriguing book to kind of read about what's coming next within some of those things played out right now as we see what's going on in the Middle East. Yep, for sure. That's awesome. Those are my books. And then some of those podcasts you mentioned uh, were some that I love sure. every day. Of course, John Gordon's is is yep. great. But I listen to Pat Lencioni, too. Yep. Uh, he's got one called The Working Genius and uh, At the Table. And then John Maxwell's Leadership is a staple as well. Yep. But those are, tell you, those are my go-tos. Oscar, two of the best books I've read this year is Ed Milet's The Power of One More, um, mm. one of the best ones I've read, and Craig Groeschel's latest book, The Power to Change. Those are two of the best that I've read in the last 365 days, I think. They are they are fantastic. Thought about that while you were talking. Um, awesome. Um, let, let me ask you this. And and I'm not gonna, you know, we've been going about an hour, so I'm gonna be respectful of your time. What when you when I say the word leadership, what does leadership mean to you? To me, it means do the right thing, set an example for others. And I've heard it said this way, you know, uh, mean what you say, what you say, what you mean, and don't say it mean. Mm. Like and it. yeah, I, I'm probably too nice in a lot of different areas. I'm not, maybe don't hold enough accountability at times, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm trying to be more, um, uh, learn a lot from, uh, from, from those mistakes I made because of that, of, of trusting people too much sometimes. But, uh, at the banquet you mentioned, we were recently named the national retail of the year, which is a great honor for, our team are from Mississippi, but one of the other honorees there, he, he said uh, something I, I definitely believe in. He said, uh, he said, it's nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice. Wow. And I think if you treat people that way, treat people like you want to be treated yourself, I think you're going to, life's going to go well for you. It's no guarantee, <laughs> but odds are it's going to go pretty well for you. So leadership to me is just um, doing, living your life, and walking the walk and talking the talk and lining those things up the same way. No it's doubt. influence, obviously, at the end of the day. And influence just comes from doing what you said you're going to do. Yeah, and, and you know, what type of influence are you going to be? You know, and if you do the right thing and if you're kind and you treat people like humans and you respect others, you know, you will have, you will have people follow you. And at the end of the day, you know, if there is nobody following you, then you might not be a leader. You know what I'm saying? Like if you turn yeah. around and there's nobody there, you know, you might want to, might want to look into it. You know what I'm saying? All right. This is my last. Yeah. And this comes from a friend of yours um, that I reached out to. And she wanted me to ask you to rate your trip to Memphis for the Liberty Bowl that was back in the nineties. And what stood out to you about that trip, about that uh, Liberty Bowl? experience uh you mean when it was like 10 degrees yeah uh well we went to the liberty bowl a few times that's kind of a big bowl for mississippi state fans uh <laughs> is that the one we played air force in or the one that's the one you played air force in um yeah and it was one sandra odom that asked me to uh ask you oh, that my goodness. oh wow so we were riding around town that night before the game, and uh, I said, hey, let's go down here to the, uh, the the pyramid, see if we can get in the pyramid. I said, well, that thing's closed down. I said, yeah, but we might can get in. So we rode downtown to the river, got in the pyramid, and walked around in there that night. And uh, I think the uh, probably thing Sandra's talking about, though, is we stayed at this hotel, uh, French something. I've tried to block the name out. <laughs> but it, it was it was rated pretty high. I don't think Google ratings were really very accurate back then. But 
we stayed in this hotel that turned out to be one of those roach hotels. And uh, her husband, Steve, as you know, is quite the critic and I can find anything wrong with anything. And so that was probably my lasting memory uh, of that was that uh, hotel we stayed in. My wife said, if I ever booked anything like that far again, she I wouldn't get free haircuts for life anymore. <laughs> yeah, I've actually booked a few of them in my time. And now my wife does the booking and not me. I can assure you, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't get that freedom anymore. Yeah. And I would recommend that people don't play Air Force in a bowl game. Uh, my brother was good friends with Jackie Sherrill, who was our coach then. And he had gone to see him the night before the game. And Coach Sherrill said, this is as well-prepared team as I've ever taken to a bowl game. We played Air Force that next day. They carved us up like a Christmas turkey. They ran that triple option. Our guys were tackling the quarterback when the running back had the ball. And uh, they beat us probably 20 points that, that game. And uh, that was that was the final last year. Remember before we went back to that luxurious hotel that night. Yeah, that was a that was a rough that was a rough experience. That was a rough night, yeah. no doubt about it. All yeah. right, last, last question: What makes Oscar Miskelly happy? What makes you happy? I think to see my kids happy and doing well and and serving the Lord. Uh, I, I think that's the biggest joy I get. And right now, uh, John, I've got three grandkids and that's a whole nother level of happiness and joy that i never Amen. you hear about it everybody tells you about it but until you experience it there's no way to to uh explain it so that's another level of joy that uh we're experiencing right now and uh it just gets better and better so that's probably my happy place right now is spending time with those grandkids and then see my kids walking with the lord and uh that's hard to beat anything in life pales in comparison to those things, man. I love it, Oscar. And I absolutely have enjoyed the conversation. I appreciate you coming on and allowing, um, you know, us to have this conversation. Um, I really appreciate that. John, you're welcome, man. You're making a difference in those kids lives. And I'm so thankful for you. And I uh, hope you'll come back to Mississippi one day and finish this thing one day. No maybe Mr. State's got an opening. Maybe we'll get you down there one day. <laughs> you, could you get by on five million a year? I might could make it, man. Like I don't know. I I might struggle a little bit with just five million, but I'd do the best I can. I'd try. <laughs> we'll put some incentives in there too, so you could get a little more. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I appreciate it. <laughs> um, Oscar, man, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I appreciate all of you that take the time to listen. You know, I hope you enjoyed this. Um, if you liked it, share it, download it, send it to a friend. Um, and you know, leave leave a review if you can, man. Good or bad, let me know. I just want to be the best I can be for you. So until next time, adios, amigos.